rumor, a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or questionable truth. This is Rumors of Grace, where I talk to people rumored to have found beauty and truth in broken and uncommon places. Welcome to another episode of Rumors of Grace. This is Bob Hutchins, and today I'm talking uh, with a very, very special guest, and I need to say guests, plural, because I have uh, one of my children on the program with me today. So, Lauren Hutchins is calling in from New York City. She's at an acting conservatory there in college, and the reason that she's on today is because she's the one that turned me on to the guests that we're going to be talking to today. So today we're from LA. We've, we've got the US covered. I'm in the smack in the middle in Nashville. I've got Lauren on in New York City, and we've got Brenda Marie Davies calling in from Los Angeles. Brenda Marie is the host of a podcast called God is Gray. It's not only a podcast, but it's also a YouTube channel where she posts regularly. And I'm super excited to have her on to talk about a topic uh, that is so relevant and so needed. And so, Brenda, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Lauren, for being here. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. So, (laughs) Brenda, can you give us a a quick overview (laughs) of what God is Gray, the podcast and YouTube YouTube, uh, channel is, and where did it come from? Yes, sure. I um, I actually am, you know, I was acting and writing in Los Angeles. I've been here for like 16 years or so. And I, during the entire process, was recording my whole experience via blog and um, personal journal entries and stuff. And basically, at the time when I moved to LA, when I was like 19, I was uh, evangelical Christian in the very conservative traditional way. I was saving myself for marriage. I, you know, was being taught being gay was a sin and purity culture and all of those like physical things that we're realizing, you know, how now, how heavily they've weighed on people from my generation. But, um, Anyway, I was abiding by all of that, following it and writing a blog publicly on MySpace actually about my experiences of being in LA and maintaining my Christianity, um, regardless of like all of the craziness that I was encountering. Um, I ended up getting married, um, really because I had sex with someone at 22 years old and I felt so crushingly guilty and afraid, um, that God was mad at me that I ended up marrying him out of that guilt and shame. And all the while, I still kept blogging and talking to people about how to be a Christian and, you know, imparting all of the same messages of purity and sort of playing good girl and not really admitting to some of the ways that I was like, you know, not abiding anymore. Um, Anyway, about two years into my marriage, my husband admitted that he had been cheating on me um, the whole time we were dating. So that really rocked my world um, because purity culture really teaches you the sexual prosperity doctrine of like, be a good girl, you'll live happily ever after. Mm. Be a good girl sexually, God Mm -hmm. will bless you forever and your marriage forever. (laughs) So as soon as that very like strong tenant of Christianity was proven wrong to me, I really started questioning everything. And, um, I couldn't identify it at the time, but I love that people are putting language to this now. Now we're calling it deconstruction, which is the act of realizing the toxic doctrine and theology you may have been taught and kind of breaking it apart and figuring out what Jesus and your faith is actually to you authentically um, without those messages. But I didn't have a name for it. Like I said, I didn't know anyone else going through it. So I just went on this like, 14-year journey of unpacking, deconstructing, being told I wasn't a Christian anymore, being told I was a sinner, being like outcast from my Christian community. And I still kept blogging. So I started being more honest about those experiences and it turned into a book. Um, 
while I was trying to get that book published, I got a couple of responses from publishers that said, we love this material. We don't think there's an audience for it. And this is like 14 years later. So I'm like, no, they have no idea how prevalent evangelical Christianity is. This is pre-Trump. So this is pre, you know, me too, all of these things that have come out since then. Um, so I took to YouTube and I was trying to find people with similar messages, like, talking about the harm of purity culture and talking about how being gay isn't a sin, et cetera. Instead, I found a bunch of young 20-some-year-old girls saying the same toxic, terrible stuff that really, really hurt me and, and tore my life apart. So I picked up a camera and I started God is Gray. <laughs> that was a long story, but that's the abridged version. Wow. Wow. Lauren, uh, yeah, feel free to the, jump in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love your story because I think I very much identify in the same way and I very much connected to your story because I felt very similar. And I, I grew up in the South, in Tennessee, going to church, a Christian school for all 13 years of my life. Um, the same I, things that I always sort of questioned um, of, you know, like being gay is a sin, this purity culture that was so prevalent and what you can wear, what you can't wear, how you act and almost these dual lives that you live of going to the church and being a leader and then um, questioning these things in private because it's not really something you can publicly question. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of, as I've gotten older and my, like my dad, he, he and I have kind of both, I think been on this like deconstruction journey last few years. I'm like, figuring out our faith. But what I loved about you was that I spend a lot of time watching videos, doing research, hearing people's point of views. But I think it's so interesting that you come from a Christian that believes these things that is deconstructed and talking about these issues and not someone who has left Christianity talking about these issues. Um, and I right. think that's what separates you from some, some of the other people that are so interesting and wonderful. Um, but I, the same way, when I've been doing research and looking social media, YouTube, it's all of these women and people that are saying these really, what I think is horribly toxic messages that are the same messages in like types of people that I saw as a little girl and brought all of that shame and guilt that you, you can't ever completely take from your mind. I feel like there's always kind of that piece of you that you slowly deconstruct, but like that little voice in the back of your head that's constantly like but is everything I learned actually right and I'm doing this all wrong and it's just so, so interesting to see someone as a Christian coming out talking about being sex positive talking about LGBTQ issues talking about um, you know educating like proper sex education and all of these things um, I love that yeah that's awesome <laughs> Yeah, but with that, how are you, um, I feel like you get a lot of heat from all of these um, kind of newer platforms, like younger Christians. How do you take that? How does that impact you and what you do and what you're thinking? Um, <laughs> it's so funny uh, because actually this morning I keep getting sent you know, videos from dissenting voices. And one of the main dissenting voices is um, these young YouTubers called Paul and Morgan. Yeah. And they are very young. Uh, they had put out a couple of horrible videos that I had to respond to calling God their birth control and spreading a bunch of misinformation and outright lies about abortion and policy and, um, you know, she's even said to me in a private DM, I don't need science, research, statistics, uh, you know, or books. All I need is the Bible. And I'm like, well, that sums up your entire problem. <laughs> um, but I think that I, you know, someone like her is extraordinarily condescending towards me. And it's funny because that's my least favorite uh positioning someone can take in their face because I do not see like Christ consciousness reflected. I mean, imagine reading the new Testament all in a condescending voice coming from Jesus, you know, yeah, it would be a whole different story. 
but um, it doesn't affect me. I I cannot take credit for this. I honestly feel like since a young age, and my mom has even always said it, I have this like divine uh, blessing to be really, really forgiving to the bottom of my heart. And I, for some reason, very easily see things from other people's perspective. Mm-hmm. And when you take someone like Morgan or Girl Defined or some of these other YouTubers that have gotten upset with me, and rightfully so, I understand why they're defensive of their stance versus mine because they are living within purity culture and it's working for them and they worked really hard and strived really hard to live within that. And I think it must be hard for them to hear like, maybe they didn't have to go through all of that. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but also I used to be them and I think that's the main thing that they don't understand, but I wish they would. And that's not saying I'm superior, but anyone that hasn't yet gone on the road of deconstruction And really, I think, and you guys would probably attest to this, that deconstruction begins when something rocks your world. You know, someone like Morgan is 24, 25 years old. I don't think she's had her world rocked yet. And I'm not wishing any ill upon her. But, you know, for me, that was realizing my husband was cheating. Um, I have other friends who, you know, had a flashback to a pastor assaulting them in some way or or even just as simple as having one of their best friends come out as gay and being confronted with that reality um, and then having to go on a journey of deconstruction in order to maintain their faith or let it go if they realize they can't abide by that anymore. Mm. But um, so yeah, long story short, I just, I see them. I'm just like, I don't think you understand how much I understand where you're coming from. I know your perspective. I was taught everything you were taught. And, you know, there's kind of nothing they can say to me that surprises me. Like, I already know every single rebuttal I can have, um, which is kind of great. I almost feel like a football player that completely has the other team's playbook. I'm like, I already know what you guys are up to. Give me something new, kind of. Like, if you want to challenge my deconstruction and the journey I've been on, like talk to me with earnest, uh, talk to me with an open mind for the love of God, literally for the love of God. And let's talk. Otherwise the kind of just white noise dissenting in the background of what I'm actually trying to do. Yeah. There's just this one idea. And if you stray from it, you can't ask questions and here's the answers. And there's no type of way to empathize or look outside of that to, you know, see what else could be a possibility, like to even engage with that possibility, even if you don't believe it. And I think that's so toxic and is a bigger issue than purity culture or um, God. And if the Bible is right, it's, it's societally like hurting yeah. America and the people and the environment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's also, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, jump in here for a second. It's, it's the problem of binary thinking, right? So it's either, or Mm -hmm. no matter what it is, it could be purity culture. It could be whether you're Republican or Democrat or whether you uh, like illegals or you don't there, it's a denial of the multiple big spectrum the, of life that we live in is that every issue has so many factors to it. But when you boil it mm-hmm. down to just two, like you're in or you're out, you're Christian or non-Christian, you're gay or straight, you're whatever, that I think is the real problem is we live in a society today that really pushes binary thinking. Don't, don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. That's why everyone is so polarized. And um, I actually love to, at first, I'm not going to lie, as someone in my 30s with Gen Z, having multiple labels for almost everything, like dozens, if not hundreds of labels for all different kinds of things, whether it be, you know, gender, sexuality, or just like fashion like everything they're just like label label labels and at first I was like sort of resisting it because I was like wow it's a little bit out of control but now I'm sort of looking at it like wow this is so amazing that 
they're projecting so much diversity and they're allowing for so much um, just like difference in who people are and how they're going to express themselves in this world. And I find that very biblical, actually, because God says that this creation is a manifestation of himself and that everything we see on this planet is reflecting different pieces of him. So, of course, God's creation is going to be diverse and abundant and full of all different perspectives and experiences and people. And as far as, like, what you're talking about, about, like, always being questioned or that we, when we question anything that we've been taught in the binary, that we are told we're not real Christians or we're just us in our community or basically told to shut up in the polite way, which Christians use uh, the word cherry picker. And that's our signal to shut up. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's completely the opposite of what the Bible says, because if you believe that Jesus died for us, if you believe that, then you believe that he left the Holy Spirit as our direct communication to God. And if you believe that, then how can you say the Bible stagnated 2,000 years ago and we are no longer ever going to receive ever like new information ever? That doesn't make any sense. And secondly... You know, there's not enough pastors that say, trust yourself. Mm. I feel like we've become so scared to just allow people to breathe and be themselves. It's like too many leaders are playing to the lowest common denominator. It's like stay in your house, stay in the community. You know, like how many Christians have been afraid to even go to a bar and hang out with friends because we've become so like alienating and alienated from the rest of society because we're afraid to mess up. We're afraid to sin. I had one pastor ever, and it was amazing. He was a guest pastor at this church that I was going to in Los Angeles. And I had never heard a message like this. I had a very controlled environment at this church. I had a set of like, you know, 30 uh, principles we had to stand by in order to be able to perform on the worship team So it was a very controlled environment. And this one pastor came in and said, basically he uh, described the entire expansion of the universe and all of the stars and all of the galaxies and how many light years it takes to go to different places in the galaxies. And then he said, so in conclusion, we don't know anything. I don't know anything. I'm standing on this platform. I'm going to give you a message. If it resonates, take it home. If it doesn't, maybe I'm wrong. He reminded us that we have the Holy Spirit. He reminded us to trust ourselves. And it was the most revolutionary, crazy thing I'd heard. And that was probably like 15 years ago. And I remember looking at the pastor for his face because I was like, oh, you're out here trying to control us. And this guy just said to trust ourselves. Like, is that rocking your world or is it just me? (laughs) Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Well, yeah. I think it speaks to something that all of us have to deal with as, uh, as as evangelical Christians, and I'd love to hear both of your response on this. Is that you know part of that construct is you know you're a sinner. There's nothing good in you. If there's anything good that comes out of you, it's Jesus. Um, and mm-hmm. so you live your whole life being told that you know anything evil comes from you and anything good that happens or that comes out of you comes from some source outside of you. So that makes for a very difficult existence uh, and it makes for a lot of cognitive dissonance. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Either one of you I'd love to hear from. It's looking at you as you, everyone is bad instead of looking at the world that everyone has good in them, which is just, I can't, I can't live or look in a world where everyone is innately horrible. Um, and I think that was always my biggest problem growing up. Um, cause that's a pretty shitty way to live to think that like anything you do is basically dismissed or anything good is dismissed to, well, that's not you, you know? And I remember even saying things like that and thinking, wow, God, like what, it, what is, what, what kind of is the, I get the point of life is just to, you know, share the gospel and do these things. But 
is there more to it? Is there more to, to life other, like if we are God and like the Holy Spirit's in us and all these things, how can we be completely evil if he's created us? But this idea that like you kind of take that away from it and it's like, well, you're a sinner, you're bad. Everything's horrible. The world is awful. And one day we're all going to go to heaven and it's all going to be magically better and you will be perfect one day. It, it's just a very ludicrous idea, like just to think about the world that way and I, I find it just completely toxic and horrible to just basically say anything you do is not you you know like there's no good in you you are a horrible person it just brings this consistent shame and guilt onto your life for everything any decision you make any mistake you make it puts another layer of guilt and shame onto your back and you're carrying it around um yeah, I, I I just can't get behind that ever because I don't I don't think it can be it can't be healthy to do that to anyone mentally on a normal level and then to think that that is the God that we're worshiping like that kind of God I, I you know I have a lot of friends that aren't religious and they look at that and they're like well I mean if that's God then like why would I want to be a part of that like why would I want to worship <laughs> that God you know it's like yeah. If, if our God's completely good, then it's like, well, he can't be like that. Like, what kind of good, perfect, loving God does that to you? I think that's right. my biggest problem with that. I find, too, I haven't yet uh, discussed this on God is Gray because I <laughs> kind of wanted to gain everybody's trust um, before I really, like, challenge some of these bigger ideas. Um, because I am a Christian. To me, a Christian is someone that professes that Jesus walked on earth. He was a manifestation of God and he died and rose again. Like that is what a Christian is. And then we get all of these other things piled onto us of what a Christian is. And that's also, you know, a sexually perfect person and, you know, et cetera. But basically what I haven't yet shared is like one of the biggest awakenings I had um, was when I was going through my divorce and a friend of mine gave me a Buddhist book on mourning and I was always raised with a lot of fear about engaging or even listening to someone of another religious practice, yeah. um, you know, for fear that I would lose the plot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I found the exact opposite to be true. I found that I have never once strayed away from my love and devotion to Jesus Christ. And at the same time, simultaneously, I'm perfectly capable of listening to someone else. And actually, just like that pastor said, like whatever resonates, whatever God like speaks to my heart, whatever makes my heart skip a beat, I take it in. And whatever doesn't resonate, I abandon it. Like, the Buddhist principle of like, you know, you are your own God or whatever obviously doesn't resonate because I do believe in worshiping a higher power. However, in that Buddhist book, it was the first time ever that I heard someone say, you're allowed to cry. You're allowed to mourn. And Mm -hmm. to me, that completely aligned with the Bible because I, you know, if you think of that verse of there's a time for everything, a season for every activity, that includes happiness and sorrow. And in the Christian, you know, practice, I too often felt like when you're in sorrow, your imperative was to get better as quickly as possible so everyone could see that following God is a really happy thing and we're all just smiling, smiling. And that was the first time that I was like, given that permission. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I tucked that into my heart forever. It resonates in my Christianity and I still you know abide by that today so yeah all of that said there's also other tenets that I've taken from other faiths that I also see completely aligned with God and for example it's like no I don't believe we are our own gods I do believe in the divinity of Jesus Mm. but I also believe the Bible when it says that we're all made in his image And that's not to say we are all our own gods, but when you look at other practices that actually honor their bodies, minds, and spirits as if they are a genuinely reflection of God, that God resides in them, that God is reflected through them, 
then that's not saying that God is the reason you're good or the God that sometimes visits you or sometimes works through you is the only good thing about you. That's saying you are inherently made in the image of God and therefore you are good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I I find that. I find that when I, I, I have a lot of conversations about religion with my friends and people that don't normally have conversations about religion because um, it's just a taboo topic a lot of times. But thankfully I'm in an environment where everyone's very open and able to discuss without getting into screaming matches. But I find mm-hmm. that when I learn about my friend's spirituality and their religion and researching other religions, I find that so much of it, does, like you say, lines up and there's these things that I take from it. And, you know, my friend that's Buddhist the same way that you said, you know, like God lives in us. Like we can look at this completely differently. You can look at God this way and I can look at it this way. But a lot of things, if you really look at religions and a lot of us line up on the same wavelength. A lot of us line up on, we're just looking at it from two opposite sides. A lot of times I feel like, and people, you know, some people see it this way. Some people see it this way, but on its core, most religion kind of believes these similar principles. Um, and you can take from that. And if God is in everything and through everything and has created this world, you can find him in everything. Um, I think that's something we forget in this fear of others in like evangelical Mm -hmm. Christianity of like this fear of, Oh, if I go hang out with, you know, Mormon friends or I go hang out with Muslim friends or I go hang out with non-religious atheists, like I will be tempted and like the devil will come after me and all of these (laughs) things. But in reality, I feel like you just end up learning more about God and seeing parts of him that you can't see from this one perspective. Mm, that's a good way yeah, to say it. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Same way about like movies and entertainment and stuff too. I've watched so many of these young Christians make videos about like, you know, what's the Bible verse they use? Um, I forget. But like, you know, they just don't want to be like influenced by the world or whatever. And whatever's good, whatever's pure, whatever's holy. So you can only watch Christian movies and you can only listen to Christian music and that is so limiting to God like why limit God in that way Mm. and also when you're not open to art when you're not open to other people's experiences like movies are such an excellent way to increase your empathy for someone you may have never even considered in your life like (laughs) if you are a young white girl living in the south and you're afraid to watch, you know, Euphoria or something, which arguably, you know, could be a very dangerous, scary thing for Christians to watch. That's unfortunate to me because you could learn a lot about addiction. You could learn a lot about a trans person's walk. You could learn a lot about dysfunctional family relationships just by observing them in the safety of your own home. And get your empathy going. Get your understanding going. Like, why are you afraid? The Bible says not to fear over 90 times. Follow that. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly why I fell in love with acting. And I, I that's how I explain it is I feel that art in general, but I think film, TV, however you, you know, take in theater, you take in acting is one of the easiest forms for people to learn empathy and to empathize with something that they could never see or communicate with. Um, like if you watch Moonlight or you watch Euphoria or you watch, um, uh, the one that comes to mind is Boy Race and there's there's this horrible mm-hmm. rape scene and you are disgusted by this rapist, but then you also see this, he breaks down and you see this, um, horribly human moment where he Mm -hmm. is completely torn and there's almost something in you where you're like, how can I judge someone that is being completely human right now? And I'm not justifying what he's done, you know, like empathy isn't justification, but I can, I can, as a person, see his hurt and empathize and not justify it. And like, I think that those forms of entertainment and acting 
is one of the most approachable ways that anyone can take in that. Um, and I, I always like thought that growing up, you know, like how are you supposed to learn or see things or if you close yourself off to the world and close yourself off to culture, how are you then supposed to go evangelize to everyone and relate to people and show God if you can't even understand anyone but yourself in your small community? Amen. Mm-hmm. Do you do either one of you feel like uh, in your in your upbringing and the way that you were taught to to see the world? Did you ever um, before you went through kind of your 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 hard time? And I I agree with you, Brenda, that you know Father Richard Rohr says that transformation only takes place through only one of two ways, and that's through great pain or great love. And um, mm. And even before you went through that growing up, was there something gnawing inside of you that you questioned, that you pushed back, that you wanted to know, but that you just kind of pushed down as uh, as your own kind of, well, maybe I'm wrong here? Were you, I know Lauren was always an inquisitive, inclusive personality, even as a very little girl. Would you say you were the same as well? Is this any of this part of your personality or do you find that this is a universal experience for the people that you talk to? Well, I think one of the most interesting things, like I was listening to this Bethel sermon. It's actually titled it the worst sermon I've ever heard. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to do a response video on it actually. But they're talking about like trans people and gay people and talking trash about the Me Too movement. It's like, he piles in so much horrific thing in one sermon. It's, it's obscene. But anyway, but the thing that really stood out to me was he was talking about protecting the children and how we need to vote against, you know, all gay affirmative action because we need to protect our children. And I started thinking, like, what child has ever looked at a gay couple or a gay person and not been able to see God in them or had any sort of prejudgment or idea about who would love them or who they're allowed to love or like what kind of a life they have to lead. And, you know, he was spouting the verse about, you know, like don't harm the children. It would be better for you to throw yourself in the ocean and drown than to like hurt any of these little ones. And I was thinking, you're the one hurting the little ones. The little ones have nothing but pure, intoxicated love and curiosity and joy for the world around them. They never judge anyone based on their skin color, ethnicity, religion, sexuality, gender. They are just residing in the moment, and we should be aspiring to be everything that a child is. Like, really, the path of spirituality is just trying desperately get back to that childlike consciousness and Jesus himself even says it he's like these little ones know way more than you guys do and that's exactly right so to basically answer the question it's like you had to I you know when people say something like I know masturbation is a sin because right after I do it I feel terrible and I'm like no that's just your confirmation bias someone taught you to feel terrible and therefore you felt terrible afterwards, mm. would lie about a friend or steal um, a pencil from somebody, and I would feel conviction. Like, as a child, you are capable of sensing right from wrong and directing that, and it's so intuitive. So I know you had to teach me purity. You had to teach me that God cries when someone has premarital sex. You had to teach me that God hates when I masturbate. You had to teach me for years and try desperately to indoctrinate me into the idea that being gay is wrong. It was a struggle. And on the exact converse, anything the Holy Spirit has convicted me of, I've taken in so easily. It resonated immediately. Even if it was something as mundane as you know, I can't really think of an example, but, you know, like talking trash about a friend, like I feel that ping of conviction immediately. Like we have all of that inside ourselves. And I knew these things weren't right from the beginning. Mm. Yeah. So it's intuitive I mean, for you. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, Jesus says, you know, unless you become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Like whoever humbles himself as a child, he is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, like children don't see our societal problems or see this hatred or anger towards gays or sex or any of these things. It's just openness and um, wonder and curiosity and acceptance before um, having a wall up to others or having a wall up to something before they like look into it. It's always, I don't know, like even just babies are so curious before they, you know, they'll eat dirt, but they'll always taste it first and then make a decision off of it before, like, unless Mm -hmm. someone has told them like, don't do that. um, It's bad for you. And then, automatically every food is bad for you you know what i mean and and yes there is that's a very there's bad things in that too like you don't want to get hurt and all these things but it i think that that i do like looking at children and and seeing that an acceptance before making a decision or or not even an acceptance but a curiosity before making a decision about something and i think jesus says that constantly and like if we don't do that we're we're going against everything he says to the Pharisees, you know, like he blatantly says that it just, to me, that blows my mind when you use those verses to twist it around, just to make it fit your narrative of what you want and like how you want people to vote or how you want something to be because of this wall you have up towards others. Yeah. That verse twisted in my mind. Yeah. That verse was, is, Mm -hmm. is so many, so many times interpreted as, um, I, I have seen and have been taught that it's, oh, it's the faith of a child, a faith that you trust and you believe. But, but this, the, the example of a child to me means so much more than just faith and trust, but it, it, it's talking about a spacious quality, about a free quality, about a totally inclusive quality, about a playful quality. All of those things uh, Jesus was trying to say, that what it's, that's what it means to be really human and walking in the kingdom of God or the love of God or the understanding of, of divine presence. It's about being free and totally inclusive and playful and nuanced and very your your spaciousness and understanding expands doesn't close in i mean that's what a child is and that's why you observe kids on the playground is it's all those things it's not just trusting alone but it's all those other things that that brenda talked about and 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 you talked about lauren i think that's really really beautiful i wish i could sit on longer but i have to go um but it was so nice to meet you I'm sure you guys will continue to have a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Dad. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you for thank you yeah. for coming on. Have a good rest of your yeah, day. Yeah, so nice to talk to you. Okay. So have a good day. All right, bye. Bye. So Brenda, um, tell me a little bit how your life has has changed or it's grown since you started your podcast and, and the YouTube channel. Um, what have you What have you learned from it yourself? Oh, it's been such a wonderfully expansive time. I think that I um, intuitively came to a lot of these things. Like I felt very spirit-led in the decisions that I was making in my personal deconstruction. You know, like I came to peace with the fact that being gay wasn't a sin a long time ago. I came to peace with the fact that I didn't have to get married in order to have sex you know, that it was more about respecting my body and, you know, calibrating situations based upon that and and being prayerful, all of that stuff. But when I started God is Gray, I did not, or I knew that it wouldn't be sufficient for me to say, well, I felt this way in the spirit. So listen to me. Um, And it's funny because I pour over research and I'm no expert. I still am sure I make mistakes. I'm sure I get things wrong, but, you know, for the most part, I try my best to be thorough and pour over research and understand things to the best of my ability at this time. And, you know, people will still accuse me of being like, oh, well, she felt like it wasn't a sin with this like mocking voice. Right. Um, but the point is, it's like, no, I actually 
definitely did feel the Holy Spirit prompt me to know that it wasn't a sin and to feel comfort with that in my own personal life. But now I'm presenting it to you with Bible verses and context and history and moral intuition all Mm. combined into one. And that's not even to say, hey, you have to see it the way I see it. I always make it as clear as possible that I am not trying to tell anyone how to live or what to believe. I'm simply offering my own journey and whatever facts and research I can present. I always encourage people to keep and continue to research if they don't believe me or if it doesn't resonate. And um, so anyway, it's just been an honor to actually research and figure out that I am able to back these up in a very intellectual and biblical way and not only that but there's amazing authors there's this huge like surgeons of authors and theologians and people like you already mentioned Richard Bohr there's mm-hmm. Nadia Bowles Weber Sarah mm-hmm. Besky Pete Enns like all these incredible biblical teachers that have been so helpful in my journey that are like coming up alongside of me in a spiritual sense and helping me just get even more solid. Yeah. And I think one of the most beautiful experiences I had too, was that I was still on shaky ground with the LGBTQ issue. Like I said, not in my personal self, but I was threatened a lot in church about the, you know, like if you lead people astray, you'll be the one held accountable. You'll be the one going to hell. So I was kind of actually living in some of that fear I was like, wow, I'm going to put out a video and say it's not a sin. Like, what if I'm wrong? And, you know, so I had to kind of dive all the way back into that again. And now, thank God, I'm in a place where I'm even more sturdy on it than ever before. Mm, mm. Well, that's awesome. And and I can imagine for you, um, coming from a background and a family, um, how, how does that like resonate with your family relationships and things like that? Does it affect it positively, negatively? Well, that's a beautiful thing. Um, right before I started God is Gray, I actually wrote my novel fictional, uh, like as a fictional version because I was terrified of my dad. The sexual journey I've been on, the spiritual journey I've been on, and I just wanted to have the guise of like, oh, who knows what's real and who knows what's fake um, in case he read it. And it's not published yet. I'm still like working on it now. But it ended up being something completely different. I am now going to publish it as an autobiography and I'm not scared anymore because at first my dad was really wary of God is Gray. He was really, really worried about what I was doing. And he is like dive, like dove in on his own and did some deconstruction of his own and has been really open. And now he is not only a fan of God is gray, but like one of my number one advocates and supporters. Mm. And that's been so wonderful because he was someone that used to hurt me a lot. He actually made me cry in a restaurant one time because he asked me for like the 50th time, you know what? Are you a real Christian? Are you a Christian <laughs> anymore? And I just burst into tears in public. because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, you are hurting me. Every time you ask that question, you are breaking my heart. I'm so tired of justifying myself to you. Like mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. And there was no turnaround at that time. So we both kind of just walked from the table being like, well, I guess you're never going to see me for who I am. You're not going to understand. And um, I thought he'd hit the afterlife before he maybe understood what I was doing. Um, So God is Gray has actually really been a healing thing in our relationship. And I'm so blessed for that. That is so cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I have a very, you know, uh, obviously a different story between Lauren and myself, but but there's also a lot of similarities is, you know, I was, I know I wanted to ask. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, uh, we, we've always been very, very close, but I did raise my children in, um, uh, an evangelical culture where there was a lot of grace, but there was also, and this is the problem. I think the, the dissonance is that 
there can be a lot of grace in a evangelical environment, but when you mix that with a lot of other stuff too, um, I think as children bringing coming up, and even as myself, you know, when I was brought up as a child in a similar environment, uh, you get mixed messages that don't really work themselves out in our own head, and that cognitive dissonance. When you do go to be an adult, and you are, for instance, Lauren, going from small town to huge city, uh, you're exposed to things, and those. Those things don't work. They don't, um, oh, well, maybe everybody who looks different from me isn't all bad. And maybe people aren't trying to convince mm-hmm. me to be evil. What do I do with this? Right. Uh, those are things that I'm sure she is now going through as a 20-year-old. And, and I have a 26-year-old who lives in L.A. as well, a son um, who has been through something very similar. So I think these are these are positive things as a parent, and I hope, you know, more and more parents are 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 hopeful and and glad to see that their kids can figure these things out. And what I've always said is that what's true and what's meaningful and what's deep will stay. And if the if they change their beliefs and they're different than mine, then maybe they need to. And it's such a beautiful thing to see you figuring things out and holding on to your faith in a deep, deep way, but yet letting go of things that. Uh, I think we all have to come to to the to terms with that don't really matter. Um, they matter in deep ways, but at the same time, like you discovered with your dad, what a beautiful thing and a healing part of your relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so grateful that you're so open. And my mom always says she had such a beautiful... I'm pregnant now, and mm, I'm so happy because... Yeah, thank you. My mom always talks about the expansion that that was for her and that it's continued to be an expansion throughout her entire life because she's constantly growing and learning. And my brother and I are constantly teaching her new things as we learn new things. And I think it's beautiful if you're a parent and I kind of, I have fantasies or, you know, hopefully true aspirations to, and I'll have a conference maybe with like parents and their children, especially people that have had rough relationships because it's like, if you stay open to your children, they're not <laughs> all out to like ruin the fabric of society. Like God is always on the move and each new generation I think is born into this world to teach the older generation brand new things to continue yes. to expand their minds and their Christ consciousness. And, you know, I just encourage parents to be open to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what would you say in kind of wrapping this up, uh, Brenda, is your definition of success from your podcast and your um, and your YouTube, what is it that you want people to know in here? Like if you were to like wrap it all up tomorrow and let's say it's 20 years from now or however long, you would say, okay, I'm satisfied I succeeded in really what I wanted to accomplish. What would you say that is? I think that one of my favorite things that I noticed was before I got pregnant, um, almost no one was invested in my personal life. Mm -hmm. Nobody asked me who I was dating, what I was doing. (laughs) Like nobody seemed to care. And I actually loved that because first of all, I really value my privacy and my personal life. But also I was like, this is amazing because it's about them. It's not about me. Like this journey has always been about me for me. And now they're taking that in and turning it into their own journey. Mm. And I feel like I'm going to cry actually talking about it. That is so beautiful to me because my greatest like measure of success would be exactly what's already happening. I, I feel too overwhelmed and strange even telling people some of the emails I get because they're just so beautiful. Like the awakenings people have. And one of my absolute favorite things is the butterfly effect. When someone says, you know, me and my grandmother were having a really difficult time with such and such. And we were at each other's throats and then we watched your videos together. And then she sent it to a youth pastor. And now that, you know, church is showing some of your videos. And I'm just like, Oh my God, these beautiful butterfly effects, the conversations that God is very stirs in families and in communities is 
blowing my mind and I'm just honored mm-hmm. to be the person that happens to be lucky enough to lead those conversations. So my greatest measure of success is that everybody takes the message and independently makes it something in their own lives and mm. inspires them to live their own very, very personal, very intimate, very unique journey with God. And it can look completely different than mine. And, you know, as long as you're holding God's hand and looking towards Him, I think it's amazing. That is so awesome. Last question I'll let you go is, who has been your favorite person that you've interviewed and talked to so far? (laughs) Let's see. I love Pete Enns. He's so delightful. Yeah, I had him on my (laughs) podcast too. He's he's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. He's full of dad jokes. I was making fun of him (laughs) for all his dad jokes. He's such a normal guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's great. He's so smart. Um, You know, Sarah Bessie was amazing. Um, geez, let's see, let's see. I don't know. That's so hard. Like my podcast, I talked to like a dominatrix and like, um, no, I'm kind of just fascinated by everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's great because I, I joke with my friends who have podcasts as well. We all kind of started them because, you know, it's the old saying is if you want to talk to people that you've always wanted to talk to in the world, just start a podcast because most of them won't say no. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I know. It's so awesome. I know. I'm like, I got my dream list going about Oprah on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got we've got to shoot for something, right? Exactly. Well, well Brenda, thank you so much. Um, as a dad, thank you for having such a positive influence on my daughter. Um, I can't I can't mm-hmm. thank you enough for that. Uh, that that means the world to me that I can have these conversations with her uh, that are healthy, awesome. that are um, that are affirming, and you being a part of the catalyst for those conversations is is really really beautiful for me so i want to thank you for that your your work is not is not in vain um and keep doing keep doing what you're doing and blessings on that on that new life inside of you thank you (laughs) Uh, before we go how do people get in touch with you how do they connect with you um so i think you can just search god is gray g-r-e-y on youtube um or search god is gray the podcast on google That'll take you to Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the regular platforms. Um, and then my Instagram is at God is Gray. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brenda. I hope you have a great day there in LA and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.